0: Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message.
1: Now, any conversation that involves the Holy Spirit always makes people a little uneasy. Anytime time we talk about discussing the Holy Spirit... There are always mixed feelings within the body of Christ. And the reason for this mixed feeling is because of the way the Holy Spirit is perceived within the church of God. And there are two broad categorizations of the feelings towards the Holy Spirit within the body of Christ. The first broad categorization is that there are those who believe that the Holy Spirit is not a person, it's just an it, it's just a force. And as such, they don't really believe in the person and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Another large category of another group of people believe in the person and the ministry of the Holy Ghost. Now within that large, the second group that believe in the ministry and the person of the Holy Spirit, there's also a subcategory within that particular group. And that subcategory are the people that based on their theological leanings and their understanding of the word of God, they believe the Holy Spirit is, but is not relevant today. In other words, they see the existence of the Holy Spirit in the scripture. They see his ministry in the scripture. But they are convinced that the ministry of the Holy Spirit went with the last apostle. As such, the Holy Spirit is no longer active in our midst right now. There's another group that believes not just that the Holy Spirit exists and there are evidence in scripture for its existence and its ministry within the church. They believe that the Holy Spirit is still very, very active in the church In the life of the believer and in the church today. And a quick disclosure. I belong to to that particular camp. And that is because the Acts of the Apostles chapter 2. From verse number 38. The Bible says then. Peter said to them. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. For the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39 now says. For the promise is unto you and to your children. And to all who are far off. As many as the Lord will call. I believe the Lord is still calling people today. I believe that when Peter was talking, Peter wasn't talking to just the people that was in front of him. Because he said, the promise is unto you and to your children and to all those who are far off. Which means, what he was referring to were not just the people who was ministering to directly, but he said, as many as the Lord will call. And I believe the Lord is still calling people today. And because the Lord is still calling people today, the promise is still very much active and the promise is still valid and is still effective in the lives of those who are called. It is not a surprise that the subject of the Holy Spirit will bring a lot of interest and a lot of mixed feelings in a very diverse group. But one thing we can all agree, as a body of Christ is number one, we can agree that the subject of the Holy Spirit is taught in Scripture. We can all agree That Jesus Christ not only talked about it, he talked about the Holy Spirit. We can all agree that the Holy Spirit was active in the early church as documented in the Acts of the Apostles. At least we can all agree about that. Regardless of our denomination, affiliation or our theological leanings, we can all agree on that. So before we go any deeper, I want us to first answer one simple question. The need for the Holy Spirit. Why do we need the Holy Spirit? Why is the Spirit so important that Jesus himself promised to send him to us? Why do we need the Holy Spirit? Like I said earlier, the subject of the Holy Spirit generates a lot of mixed feeling, a lot of heat within the church. And most of our understanding of the Holy Spirit's activity is influenced and informed by some of the excesses that we see in the charismatic movement. In other words, when people do things, that sometimes make you to scratch your head and begin to wonder, will the Spirit of God do this? Some of the proclamations that people make, that is where many of us got our understanding and our information about the Holy Spirit. Many in the church hear about the Holy Spirit, and the first thing that comes to their mind is the wild emotional worship service that we see within the charismatic movement. Some of the things that we do, that that we see there that many of us really cannot support in scripture. That is the picture that comes to the mind of so many people. There's actually a very, very prominent minister that wrote a book that was called The Charismatic Chaos that documents some of the things that many find very difficult to believe. And when we talk about the Holy Spirit, that is the picture that comes to the mind of so many people. But that is not the true and the complete picture of the person and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The book of Acts of the Apostles gives us a very clear picture of the person and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. In the early church, we see the active presence and participation of the Holy Spirit on daily, day-to-day operation of the church. From the testimonies recorded in the Acts of the Apostles, we see that the church did not do anything without first consulting with the Holy Spirit. We saw that even when they were selecting deacons, they called upon the name of the Almighty God. When they were trying to plan their missionary exploit to other parts of the world, the Bible said that as they were ministering, the Spirit of the Almighty God said, separate me Paul and Barnabas for the work of the ministry. In other words, the Holy Spirit was so much ingrained into all their activity. And that begs the question, why? Why was the early church so dependent upon the Holy Spirit? What do they know that we don't know? What were they aware of? That for some reason we are seems to have forgotten. To answer the question, the early church was so dependent upon the Holy Spirit, we must first of all understand the basic services of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. There are two basic things that the Holy Spirit does in the life of a believer. Number one, the Holy Spirit helps an individual to be reconciled back to God by convicting them of sin, by enabling us to see Christ on the pages of scriptures. By enabling us to hear and to understand the word of God, the truth of the word of God from scriptures. So in other words, the Holy Spirit helps us to reconcile back to God at salvation. That's the first job. The second thing it does is that the Holy Spirit empowers the believer to live the life of Christ. To live the Christian life. And that's why the Bible says, by the arm of the flesh I no man prevail. In other words, if you try to live the Christian life outside of the Holy Spirit, you are going to fail. Because a normal flesh cannot operate the things of the Spirit. And that is why I've always joked about it. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, even with the Holy Spirit still resident in my life, it is going to be very difficult for you to convince me to turn the other cheek when somebody slaps me. So what I do is I make sure I stay way far away from the reach of your hand. Because if you slap me, there's a strong tendency I'm going to return it back to you. That means the Holy Spirit still has some work to do in my life. But the point I'm trying to make is that The primary job of the Holy Spirit in the life of an individual, number one, is to reconcile us back to God as salvation by convicting us of sin and to keep us, to help us to live the Christian life through empowerment of heaven. Now, the early church was so dependent upon the Holy Spirit because the early church understood that it is the Holy Spirit that reconnects and reestablishes the relationship between fallen man and our holy God. They understood that. And because they understood that, they depended upon the Holy Spirit to make that reconciliation take place. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19 tells us that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the work of reconciliation. The church was involved with the work of reconciliation, and they knew it was the Holy Spirit that does it. That was why they depended upon him. Number two, the early church depended upon the Holy Spirit because they knew that the Holy Spirit is the one that restores our rights and privileges as the children of God. Because we lost everything when Adam fell. We became subject unto the enemy. And when we were born again, it is the Holy Spirit that now begins to restore our rights and our privileges. Basically, it is the spirit of the Almighty God that restores the benefits of our salvation. That's why they were depending upon him. Because they knew... That you cannot access the spiritual blessings without the power of the Spirit of the Almighty God. They understood that. Number three, the early church depended upon the Holy Spirit because they understood that it is the Holy Spirit that ministers to your heart, ministers to my heart, that we are children of God. Bible tells us in the book of Romans chapter 8, verse 16, he said, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Many of us knew how we were, the life that we lived before we became Christian. And the enemy will make sure you never forget it. Continue to bring it to our attention. Continue to remind us on a regular basis that you, you think they are now going to heaven. What about the things you have done? What about the people that you have hurt? What about the things that you have done in the past? But it is the spirit of God that makes us to understand that all those things belong in the past. We are new creatures because it said, he who is in Christ is a new creation. All things have passed away. All things have become new. It is the Spirit of God that reminds us that we are children of God. That is why the early church depended heavily upon the Holy Spirit. Because the situation and the condition where they found themselves causes your heart to doubt. But as long as they depended upon the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God continued to remind them, you are a child of God. Yes, Peter, you denied Christ, but you are still a child of God. You went to fishing when you were supposed to be waiting on him, you are still a child of God. Though you failed in a particular area, you are still a child of God. That was why they depended upon him. Because he reminded them and it continued to assure them that they are children of God. Not only that, the early church depended upon the Holy Spirit solely because they knew that the Holy Spirit restored the nature of God within us. It's the Holy Spirit that forms Christ in us. When you try to live by your own ability or obey the scripture in your own power, you are going to fail. Because it is the Spirit of God that not only illuminates your heart, He's the one that gives you the power to do what He wants you to do. John 3 verse 6, He said, That which is born of the flesh is the flesh, that which is born of the Spirit is the Spirit. It is the Spirit of God that makes us to live a life in the Spirit. Because we are now born again in the Spirit of the Almighty God. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4, we are about giving unto us an exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. In other words, when the Spirit of God comes into us, when the Holy Spirit begins the work of reformation, the work of rebuilding our lives, what you find is that we begin to partake in the divine nature. And that is why the life that we used to live. When you begin to lay it with the person who has truly encountered the Lord Jesus Christ, you see that there's a difference. And I've always joked here, I tell the people that if you meet the Lord Jesus Christ and nothing changes your life, there's a problem. You met the wrong Jesus or you didn't meet Jesus at all. There is no way you will truly meet Jesus and something will not change. And the change that reflects the nature of Christ in us is affected by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That was why these people were so dependent upon him. And not only that, they understood that after salvation, when you receive the power of the Spirit of God, the baptism of the Spirit of God, Peter himself was able to testify that it empowers you to be able to carry out the dominion assignment of God upon your life on this particular world. In other words, the Bible tells in the book of Genesis, it said the Lord blessed them. And the Lord told them to be able to go, multiply, and replenish the earth. In other words, everywhere you go, create a mini Eden. Create a place where the presence of the Almighty God has power and authority. Make sure that the influence of the Almighty God is replicated all over the world. That was the mandate that was given. But because of the fall, we are not able to carry out that mandate. The Holy Spirit, when it comes into your life now, what it does is it enables you to carry out that mandate. Peter understood that. Because prior to Pentecost, Peter was very fearful. Peter was not willing to testify to the Almighty God. Even in the presence of a little girl, Peter was swearing that didn't know the Lord Jesus Christ. But when the Spirit of God came, Peter was able to stand before the same people he ran away from to testify of the goodness of the Almighty God. The early church understood that the Spirit of God empowers us for our dominion assignment on this earth. That you cannot carry out that dominion assignment that God has written for us and given to us without the power of the Almighty The early church also understood that it is the Holy Spirit that restores power into our life. The Bible says that He has raised us up together and make us to sit together in heavenly places. And that is Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6. That we are seated together with Christ Jesus in heavenly places. Which means far above all principalities and powers and all those other lesser forces. He has now empowered us to have dominion. Not only that, the early church understood that the Holy Spirit is the one that restores our ability to represent Christ in this world. And that's why he gave some apostles, he gave them prophets, he gave them teachers, he gave them evangelists. Why? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So that when people see us, they can say, these are mini-Christs. It is the spirit of the Almighty God that edifies, that that empowers us, gives us the ability to represent Christ. That's why he says, wait in Jerusalem until you are endued with power. And then you can be what? You can be my disciples. You can begin to speak about me. You can begin to testify about me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and in the uttermost part of the whole world. It's basically saying that you cannot represent me. You cannot speak for me. You cannot have the real effect that you are supposed to have as a person who is associated with me without the power of the Almighty God, without the Spirit of the Almighty God dwelling inside of you. The early church understood that by experience. And that was why they were so dependent upon the Spirit of the Almighty God. In other words, the apostles and the elders of the early church depended heavily upon the Spirit of the Almighty God because number one, they knew that it was the Spirit that brings you into Christ And it's the same spirit that keeps you in Christ. They knew that. That when God brings you into his fold, that particular invitation comes by the spirit of God. And you remain within the body of Christ by the same power that brought you in. So you cannot start in the spirit and end it in the flesh. And Paul talked about it. He said, how can you start your journey trusting the spirit of the almighty God? And then ending that journey, trusting your own flesh. It doesn't work that way. Because the journey is a spiritual journey and it must continue as a spiritual journey. So the apostles and the elders of the early church were so dependent upon the spirit of the almighty God. Because they understood it is the Holy Spirit that brings you into the kingdom. It is the Holy Spirit that keeps you in the kingdom. Number two, they understood it is the Holy Spirit that gives you access to the privilege. It is the Holy Spirit that empowers you to enjoy the privilege. And that is why there are a lot of believers. They know about the privilege that comes from salvation. They know about the benefit package that occurs in the kingdom. But for some reason, they are not able to enjoy it. We're talking about divine healing. They hear about divine healing, but they cannot access it. They hear about divine provision, but they cannot access it. They hear about divine protection and divine preservation, but they cannot access it. Why? Because they have failed to understand that the one who makes those privileges available is also the one that gives you the power to enjoy it. And if you cut yourself off from him, you will hear about it, but you will not see it. The elders of the early church understood that the Holy Spirit is the one that restores our legal authority as rulers on this earth. And when we are baptized, it is the Holy Spirit that gives you the power to exercise that authority. So it is not just that you have the authority. You also need to have the power to exercise that authority. And that is why when we are born again. The Bible said that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. And as a believer who is now endued with the power from heaven. You can now decree the word. The Bible said we shall decree. Whatever we bound on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever we lose on earth will be loose in heaven. That is not just the access to the authority. But the display and the execution of that particular authority. Power to be able to use that authority. And it is the Spirit of God that makes that happen. It is the Spirit of the Almighty God dwelling inside of us that has baptized us. It is that same Spirit that allows us to be able to exercise, not just access the authority, but exercise that particular authority in this world. And finally, the early church understood, the elders of the church understood, that the addition to the growth of the Word of God, the mandate that Jesus Christ gave us, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. This them to observe what's all that I've taught you. And say, Lord, I am with you always, even to the very end. The elders understood that they cannot go into the world in their own power. Because Jesus Christ himself gave them the instruction at one age. He said, tarry ye in Jerusalem, until you are endued with power. That is when you cannot begin to go out and multiply yourself. That is when you now have the power to bring others into the faith. Because that is when the power that is able to reproduce, that power begins to function in you. But the interesting thing that we still want to find out is why was it important for Jesus to promise the Spirit to the people? John chapter 16, Gospel of John chapter 16, reading from verse number 5, the Bible tells us, But now I go away to him who sent me. None of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts." Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the rulers of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you. But you cannot bear them now. However, when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. He will tell you of things to come. He will glorify me, for he takes of what is mine and declares it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said, he will take what is mine and declare unto you. Now, this verse of the scripture clearly teaches that Jesus Christ not only talked about the Holy Spirit, he talked about the Holy Spirit. So this verse clearly established that. And he also made a very clear promise unto us. The promise that he was going to send the Spirit of God to us. He was going to send the Holy Spirit to us. The question is, why was Jesus Christ going to send it to us? Why was it important for the Holy Spirit to come? The first thing you will notice from the consistent account of Scripture is that Jesus Christ wanted the Spirit of God to come. And it is important for the Spirit of God to come because the work of Christ needed to be completed. The work of salvation needed to be completed. He said that he will take what is mine and he will show it unto you. There are certain things that Jesus Christ has started doing. He was supposed to deliver the souls of men. At the time he came, he only ministered within a very small area and the world was supposed to be preached to the whole world. How is it going to be done? For the work to continue, the Holy Spirit must come to finish up what Christ has started. And that is the salvation of soul. That's the first reason why he had to send it. Number two, he sent it to be able to comfort the believers. John chapter 14, verse 16 tells us. I pray the Father that He will give you a helper. Another translation says, He gives you the comforter. Somebody who will travel alongside you. Somebody who will walk side by side with you. Somebody who will encourage you as you move along. Somebody who will strengthen you. Somebody who will lift up your hand. Somebody who will give you advice as you go along. A helper that He may abide with you, not just for a season, but forever. That is another testimony that the Spirit of the Almighty is still active in our midst today. Because He said, I will give you the Spirit, Another helper, that he may abide with you, not just during the time when the apostles are alive, but forever. Maybe I'm reading it wrongly, but that is my understanding. It tells us that the Spirit of God is still with us here today. So that is the reason Jesus Christ promised the Holy Spirit, number one, to continue what he has started. Number two, to comfort the believer. Number three, to help us to fellowship with the Almighty God. The Bible tells us that when Jesus on the very last day in the Garden of Gethsemane invited his disciples said, come and pray with me. These guys went in there and because they were still operating in the flesh, the Bible said they slept off. And he came back and said, can you not just watch with me for just one hour? Say, I know your spirit is willing. But for some reason there is not enough power within your spirit. There is not enough energy within your spirit to power that desire into reality. And that is why I say, when you'll be endued with power, when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 says, likewise, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray, for what we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groaning that cannot be uttered in words. In other words, the Lord Jesus Christ knew that we will need to fellowship with the Father, that we need to remain in constant communion with the Father. That we need to maintain that particular line of communication open with heaven. And he knows that in our own flesh, we cannot do it. He knows that the flesh is weak. So what did he do? He said, I will give you somebody who will help you. And for those of us who have made a resolution to lose weight, you find that you are more effective when you have a personal trainer. The Holy Spirit basically serves as your spiritual personal trainer to continue to help you, to continue to encourage you, to continue to lift up your hands when you are weak. That was why Jesus promised them. That was why Jesus Christ made a commitment to send them. Jesus Christ also made a commitment to send the Holy Spirit because he's going to guide you into all truths. John 16, 13, he said, however, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truths. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you of things to come. Jesus Christ himself said, at the very beginning of chapter 16, he said, there are many things I want to say to you, but you guys just can't take it. There are many revelations that I want to show you. So many things that I want you to understand. But right now, your mind cannot even conceive what I'm about to say to you. And that is why I'm going to take it easy right now. I will send you a teacher. I will send you a guide. I will send you a comforter. I will send you somebody who will stand right next to you to explain. And that's why the Bible tells us, when the disciples were traveling on the way to Emmaus, the Bible says that they were talking to Jesus Christ, but their eyes were sealed. But when the bread was broken, their eyes were opened and they began to understand. You also see, when Jesus was telling his disciples, I'm going to go to the cross, I'm going to die, on the third day I will raise again." he said they did not understand what he was saying. But eventually when Jesus rose up, they now began to put two and two together. And that's why Jesus said, there are so many things I want to tell you. So many things I want to share with you but your mind just can't conceive it. It's just like when you're sitting with your boy, your child that is just growing up, and there are so many things you want to open up out to that child. You want to tell the child the workings of life. You want to share some deep secret. but you look at this child. Even two plus two is a problem. So let's leave that one a little. See, that person is mature enough to hear the Holy Spirit. So the purpose, why Jesus Christ promised the Holy Spirit was to guide us into all truths. Give us deep revelations. Things that God wants to do with our lives. And that is the only way you can have access to the secrets that moves you forward. Only when you are connected with the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ also promised the Holy Spirit to us because he knew that it is the Holy Spirit that can give us a true picture of who Jesus Christ is. In verse John chapter 2 verse, 6, he said, he who abides in him ought also to walk as he walked." But when you go back and look at John chapter 16 verse 14, he said, he will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it unto you. In other words, he will take what you are looking at, that you don't fully appreciate, that you don't fully understand, he will illuminate it, he will shed light upon it, that it begins to make sense unto you. It is only the Holy Spirit that can reveal Christ to us and reveal Christ in us. Because if you don't see who he is, there's no way you can declare him. If you have no understanding of who Christ is, it's going to be very difficult for you to convince other people of who Christ is. And Jesus knew that it is the Holy Spirit that can do it. That's why he promised it to the disciples and until we as the body of Christ until we as believers see the need for the Holy Spirit who will continue to ignore his person and his ministry until you are able to see who the Holy Spirit is why Jesus promised him the reason for his coming the purpose of his coming until you are able to see it you will not be able to appreciate the person of the spirit of the Almighty God You will not be able to understand what the Spirit of God is even doing in the church of God. And you will continue to ignore him and ignore his ministry. But one thing I want you to understand is this. If you ignore the person and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you also as a church. Because one thing you find is this. Anywhere where the Spirit of God is ignored anywhere where the person of the Holy Spirit is not recognized, what you will find is that there is a reliance on the flesh to carry out the work of the Spirit. That's what you will see. Because you have no power to do it, so you try to do it. That's why there's a multiplication of programs. I'm not knocking programs of churches. Please don't don't misunderstand me. But I'm saying that if the program is not backed up by the Spirit of God, it's just the work of the flesh. And anywhere the Spirit of God is not appreciated, not recognized and the ministry of the Spirit of God not accepted, you will find that everything they do is going to be run by the flesh. And the Bible makes us to understand that by the arm of the flesh shall no man prevail. You can try, but you are not going to prevail. Okay? Jeremiah 17 verse 5 tells us, Thus says the Lord, say, Cursed be the man that trusts in man. And make it flesh his harm, and whose heart depart from the Lord. For he shall be like the heart in the desert and shall not see when good cometh, but he shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness as a salt land and not inhabited. In other words, when you don't understand the person of the spirit of the Almighty God, when you don't understand the ministry of the Almighty God, at that point in time you can't accept it. When you don't accept it, you have just done yourself a great disservice. So that's what you find. Anywhere the spirit of the Almighty God is not accepted and recognized and the ministry is not accepted, the first thing you will see is that there's operation in the flesh. The second thing you will see is that a victorious Christian life becomes a challenge. We can talk about it, but we do not experience it. That's what Paul was talking about. He said, ever learning, but never coming to the realization, never coming to the experience of the truth.
0: Thank you very much for listening to our program today.